Hello and welcome to Platforms for Future. This podcast is about building and scaling B2B platform ventures to help you to accelerate and de-risk your journey with practical tips and insights. In our conversations, we talk to founders, executives, and experts, uncovering what they experienced and learned building their ventures. But we also cover new trends like ecosystem strategies, IoT and data platforms, Web3 and sustainability. This podcast is complementary to our Platform Innovation Kit toolset and the Platform Academy, where you can find more tools and learning opportunities for you and your team. For more information, please visit platforminnovationkit.com. And now, enjoy today's conversation. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of our podcast, Platforms for Future. With me, my lovely co-host from France, Natalie. Hello, Natalie. Hi, Matthias. Very happy to be here. Very good. I'm also happy to introduce to our guest, Gieten. Gieten is the CEO of Miro. And Miro is a worldwide marketplace for professional photography. <laughs> Photos and taking pictures, <laughs> uh, strange word for Germans, but I hope you understand. And uh, hello, Kitten. Hello. Welcome to our show. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, Matthias. Hello, Nathalie. Hi. Uh, so, Matthias, let me correct your German uh, straight away. It's Gaetan, not Gitten. Ah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good to learn. <laughs> Gaetan and photography, right? <laughs> yeah, I, will, I will practice this. Gaetan. Before we go into a conversation about your fantastic journey of Miro, can you explain who you are and uh, where you are to our listeners so that they have also a picture in mind? Yeah, sure. So Gaetan, very, very French name. Obviously, I'm French, based in Paris. I did like uh, all my studies in uh, engineering, really like into math, mathematics, tech, uh, and, and all that stuff. I've always had... Um, entrepreneurship mindset, let's say that. Uh, so I started the first company at 17 and then I launched the company after school, just after that was uh, into um, virtual fitting. So how you can try on clothes online, basically. And afterwards, uh, after a few years in this uh, company I founded, I joined uh, Miro uh, as a COO uh, at first. And now I have become the, the CEO of the company today. Uh, so it's been quite a quite a journey on my side. Six years now at Miro. Uh, it's not finished yet. Very interesting. Reminds a bit of our own journeys, right, Natalie? We also started our own businesses when we were young. So it's always a pleasure to talk to real entrepreneurs here in our podcast. Can you also a bit more explain what is Miro? And maybe you can explain photography <laughs> <laughs> to our listeners better yeah. than me. Gaetan is probably yeah, more so, interested than you to say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, bas so basically, Miro is a company around photography. And, and so we do several things. There are some things we, we used to do, some things we are currently doing, amazing things. But all of these uh, are around helping businesses, creating and, and improving visual content, basically. It's pretty, uh, pretty standard. People who sell things online, whether they are in uh, real estate, whether they are in fashion, whether they are in... Uh, our industry or whatever, they need to sell things online. So they need to have good photos of these things. And to do that, you can create the photography, uh, which is uh, either through professional photographers, either through smartphones, for instance. And when you have photographies, you can improve these photographies. You can enhance, edit, do several operations on these photographies. And Miro is all around these topics. And more specifically, Miro does two things. On one side, Miro is 
basically a marketplace for professional photographers. And we match uh, these photographers with uh, businesses that need professional photography, basically. That's pretty, pretty standard uh, end-to-end stuff. We used to do that for the food industry, the travel industry, and now we mostly do that in the fashion industry. And the second thing we do is we develop, we build a software that is there to, uh, you know, help people create stunning pictures with mobile applications and also improve and uh, beautify this picture through artificial intelligence. So everything around the creation and the beautification, the enhancement of photography. So is it enhancement, a tool for the photographers to use or for like me to use? It would be for businesses. So usually online businesses. Uh, so we target on one side, uh, the businesses that need to create the content. You can think about like a real estate agent or a car dealer or a restaurant or whoever. Okay. For this, we developed mobile applications. So to help them take nice pictures and then we enhance them uh, on the fly through AI. The software part, which is mostly a platform, this one is mostly designed for marketplaces that have inflows, huge inflows, huge volume of photos. You can think about uh, Zillow, you can think about eBay, you can think about Sologe in France, you can think about Le Bon Coin in France, all these companies. They have millions of millions of images that come to them from third parties, usually, like either consumers or other businesses. And these images, they need to to do things with it. They need to optimize them. They need to extract data from them. They need to enhance them. They need to make them according to their guidelines and everything. For this, we have this platform. So it's a white label tool for those? Either white label or mirror labeled. So it can be both. It's a platform and uh, and same for for mobile applications. It can be either white label or labeled mirror. But interesting-wise, you're also a hybrid model. So you're a marketplace and a software as a service. Today, we are indeed two business models. On the professional photography uh, market, we are indeed a classic marketplace uh, slash service model. And on the software, it's purely a SaaS business model. Yeah. Just interesting-wise, what is the bigger business model, a bigger contribution? Is it the marketplace or the software as a service business? Uh, you mean in terms of revenue? So we used to have like a big chunk of the business that was on the marketplace. Recently, like uh, a few months ago, stopped this part, which is which was mostly uh, designed for food delivery companies and real estate agents, everything on the marketplace. This was the biggest part of the business model. We decided to stop it because the impact of COVID had been quite uh, important uh, on this business. And we wanted to focus mostly on the software and the fashion industry. So actually, that brings me nicely to the question I had since you said we did things that we stopped and uh, then we're doing other things. So I'd like maybe that you give us a little uh, retrospective of what you did initially that you then stopped doing, what you didn't do, that you started doing and why, and maybe how this transition was. Was it smooth? Was it a you know hard uh, decision? And can you give us a little history? Yeah. We always add the philosophy of, you know, starting fast new projects, but also, you know, uh, stopping fast, <laughs> quickly when needed, uh, when we see it's not, uh, not going to be like something successful. Um, we've uh, obviously, there's this big part of the marketplace on the food and the travel industry that we stopped recently. 
uh, so this, this was a big investment because it was, it's been like, it was six years that we've been working on it. So it's like six year work that we stopped. Um, this is one example. There are a number of others like tools or softwares or B2C models that we started and then we stopped. Now, I, I guess the question is more on, uh, how do we take the decision? Is it, you know, is it yeah. difficult? What, what makes so, you, what metrics maybe, or how, what's your process for killing a project? You know, what's your KPIs? So at first, I think your uh, project needs to uh, be in accordance with your vision. Does it contribute to, you know, uh, our vision, which is uh, basically helping uh, businesses create beautiful uh, images through AI? This is our mission. So first, like, okay, then at start, when you launch a project, you start with a very little team, you do a proof of concept, uh, you do MVP and everything. And then it depends on what are your targets. Obviously, for some companies, the targets are very different. If you create a small business, you can be fine by, you know, growing 10% a year while being profitable and everything. When you need to add business units that are valued dozens of millions, uh, it's not the same KPIs. So you have, of course, a time constraint because when you have investors, you don't have the same time constraint than when you have a SMB, but you also have like a valuation constraint. Is it valued enough compared to the rest? If it's just to add a one person value to your full company, it's not worth, you know, spending even your focus time on that. So it's really a question of, I would say, customized KPI that are based on both the vision, but also the time and money constraint and ROI you want to, to have on, on this business. And so you have to track that accordingly, like every, every week, every month, uh, and then decide when it's important to, to invest more or to stop or to invest less. Uh, so it's really like, you know, for me, it's a length of a, of a month, I would say. But then in your case, it sounds like a bigger kind of a pivot. So maybe you started as a marketplace and then you turned into a software business and now you're turning it into a hundred percent or 90% more like a software business instead of a marketplace. Or if I understood correctly. So it sounds like a real kind of a pivot. Most of the cases when we talk to companies, they start the other way around. So they are a software business and then maybe they add a marketplace on top of it. In your case, it's another journey. And you mentioned something at the beginning talking about COVID. Is it because of COVID you made the decision? Is it because uh, a crisis is accelerating a trend? So the trend is already there, but with the crisis, it kind of accelerated what would be there maybe in 10 years, but now in two years. So was it always your plan to transform the company like this way? Or was it more like, oh, now we see because of COVID, the market completely changed. And that's why we made this decision. So basically, in the vision and the mission, there has always been the purpose of, you know, uh, doing tech, doing software, doing AI. So it was, since the beginning, it was there. The thing is like, the way you leverage or you can leverage AI to do stuff on image, you can do it many ways. At first, the idea was really to, you know, to help the marketplace, you know, run faster, deliver faster. Then the thing that accelerated through COVID was the fact that we saw the main market of the marketplace kind of shrink because, you know, market expenses decreased, travel has been, you know, at zero for a few years. So many things that, you know, shrunk this model, this uh, market in itself. And so we said, okay, the opportunity that we had, you know, to grow even bigger on this market is reduced. So we will accelerate on the other stuff that we plan on doing that also meet the vision. 
And one of the stuff that was clearly the kind of end game, uh, something that we, we wanted really to, to go into was the software, which was leveraging the same tech and the same algorithm that we used in the marketplace, but kind of deported on a tool. So really COVID by, you know, limiting us in terms of growth and in terms of potential has been an accelerator in terms of, you know, switching to a tech company, a software model. Yeah, I was just thinking while you were talking, you're a tech company, not a not a marketplace, right? And when you're saying that you're using the same tools, in effect, if I understand correctly, uh, you're using the same tools for connecting offer and demand. However, you've increased a lot the AI part, right? Because the marketplace and the tool itself is quite different. So it's not exactly that. So on the marketplace, the offer and demand matching Uh, we're not using it anymore. The thing we are, we were using and we kind of uh, deported to the tool was the, where the AI algorithms. So indeed we invested more. So when we started the marketplace, uh, we did like a lot of photo shoots with interior photography, food photography. We developed like a number of algorithms, you know, to change uh, the gray sky in a blue sky, remove the background of burger picture, improve the white balance of an image and so many algorithms that were designed for professional photography. And so when we went into the software, we deported this algorithm and said, okay, this is the basic algorithm. Okay, now anyone can use this algorithm on the fly, on the tool. It's not only Miro internally that will use them to optimize turnaround time of their marketplace. So it's been like a switch of, you know, using the same basis of tech and then we developed on top, of course, but in another business model. Interesting. Just to finish on this point, I think it's very interesting because what you're saying is that you're kind of opened the tools you are using internally to create another business model and enhance yes, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, what I like about this model is, and this brings us to the actual conversations in the market about AI, about chat GPT and stuff like that. But all when you talk about AI, you need to train the AI with a lot of data. And it sounds for me that Your model and your strategy was about let's use the marketplace model to gather a lot of data to accelerate the learning and teaching of the AI. So could this model you apply to your company, to Miro, to this kind of uh, strategy, also be a good case for, for other companies? So if they try to become an AI-driven company or business? It's a good question. I mean, this is definitely one of the... This was definitely one of the purpose uh, on our side. I'd say it depends on the purpose of the company. And because the data you can gather, I mean, text data, image data, whatever kind of data, you cannot change the data really easily. So you have to think about how you want the data to be designed before, you know, using it. So if you just get a lot of data, there's like probably 99% chance that it will not fit your model because it will not be, you know, stored the right way. It will not be, you know, exactly the right data you want. So we already knew we wanted to do data on editing images. And so we internalized editing of images, then we use photography and everything. So we can of knew at the very beginning what algorithm we wanted. You cannot just, you know, go from the data and then imagine the algorithm you can do. You can, but I don't think it will work really often uh, because the data really need to be like stored in a way, designed in a way, uh, processed in a way. That is not easy. You cannot just gather tons of data from everywhere and just uh, conceive algorithms. I think it's much more a purpose that has to be designed over time. 
That's why often yeah. like AI companies also sometimes, you know, a branch of service on top because with service, you can gather data. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Also, when you have a marketplace model or a platform model where you hook in different parties and they provide data, it also already needs to deliver them a kind of a, a value. So you need to not just gather data, but to reuse it uh, to deliver a value for them. A kind of a question in my mind. Uh, so you made a decision to close the marketplace and focus yep. on the AI software business. So when we talk about platforms, we, we know about the benefits of network effects and growing faster and faster. Of course, the other side of the business, like software businesses, they have like recurring revenues and, and, and those kind of advantages. Why not continuing? I think, yes, uh, the market changed a bit. But of course, now after COVID, the travel market maybe returns, food is still there. So maybe transforming the marketplace into other industries could be an option. So why not still continuing having both advantages? I think at the end, there's a question of choice and direction. Obviously, the marketplace model is an interesting model for many reasons. With our kind of marketplace, the network effect is there, but it's not as local as it would be for uh, Uber or someone like this, which is really a, which has really a local approach. This is, of course, a, an interesting network effect, but it's not as powerful as it is for local approaches. The thing is, like at the end, you need to decide what, where you want to go. Do you want to go to a company that is highly scalable, that is high margins and everything, that is usually also, uh, let's say, it's uh, valued twice or three times more than other marketplaces? Or do you want to go to a marketplaces which will, I mean, like, which will be much more, you know, operations driven, human intensive and everything. And also a lot of interesting things with it. So, yeah. So I think at the end, it's just a question of where do you want to position yourself? So it's purely a, a question of decision. And I'm happier with, a, you know, a, a smaller company in terms of people. I don't want to have, you know, like a 10,000 uh, Amazon-like uh, logistic company. Uh, it's really not my uh, cup of tea. Small, how many employees do you have? We have roughly 200-ish. Yeah, it's small compared it's, to it's Amazon, but it's... Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it, uh, it's it's not small if you want to take successful marketplaces like, uh, yeah. I don't know, like Jumia, like uh, Uber, like yeah. all these companies. It's a people problem. It's a people, you know, company. Yeah. Energy-wise, it's, uh, it's different. I really want to build a scalable tech company, a software company. It's just what inspires me much more. Yeah, you're an engineer, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Dear listeners, I hope you enjoy our podcast and you can learn more about building and scaling a successful platform business. I'm Matthias, CEO of Fastbreak One. And as you know, we at Fastbreak One are platform entrepreneurs by heart. Since over 20 years, we are building new platforms and this makes us one of the most experienced platform venture builders around the globe. If you are a corporate and you tried out different strategies, consultants, IT partners, but your platform initiative struggles to scale, please check out our assessment services. For example, we work closely together with a leading insurance company who tried to establish a platform for two years, but the results were below expectations and the risk to fail was very high. Within one month, we helped them to understand the bottlenecks and created a step-by-step -step plan to scale. Today, we are working very closely with the company and the platform became a market leader. Yes, we are no consultants. We are entrepreneurs and we love to share the risk and go full in in building new platform ventures. Learn more about our experience and our practices of work at our website 
www.fastbreak.one or send us an email to contact at fastbreak.one. And now let's go back to the conversation. I always say to Matthias that marketplaces, I think, are the most difficult platform model, even if it's yeah. the one that seems the more the easiest, the one we all know, because as consumers, we all know marketplaces, etc. And I always quite hesitant on marketplaces. Would you have been able to create the current software offering without going through a marketplace or starting with a marketplace? So I think we would have been able to do it, but we would have done it in a way slower way for two main reasons. Uh, the first one is uh, we just discussed about it is data. We today have millions and millions of images, and it's a database that is you know optimized, stored, and everything that you know is really useful for us in terms of you know developing the software. And the second thing is like we redeveloped our knowledge thanks to the service part, thanks to the marketplace part. So we would have been able to do it but we would have done it uh, differently uh, and probably slower. And the other, the last thing I, I didn't mention is like all the clients that we worked with on the marketplace are the same clients that are interested in the software. When we started the software a few months ago, uh, you know, we already knew many people, you know, to talk to like, okay, guys, we were working with you for X years. Now we are doing that. What do you think? And we've built that thanks to, you know, our collaboration and, uh, and everything. So it's pretty, pretty uh, useful. We always have a model in mind. We call it the, the value stack of a company. And uh, this value stack basically consists of three layers, the engagement layer, intelligence layer, and the infrastructure layer. On the engagement layer is like a marketplace where you bring people together. So you engage them with each other. So you bring them together, find each other, do business with each other, etc. Intelligence, the layer below, you learn from the data and you provide value out of the data with your AI, yeah. better images, etc. At the bottom is the infrastructure layer. It could be a physical infrastructure, like what you see with Amazon and their logistics, yeah. they invested into physical, but could be also a digital infrastructure, like an operating system. And what we see is that very successful companies build up capabilities on all of those three layers. So they have a kind of a marketplace, a kind of a software business, AI-driven, and They also invest into infrastructure. So now you started at the top and you go to the middle. Mm -hmm. Now you kind of left the top layer and focusing on the middle layer. Do you have any plans to go to the bottom layer, into the infrastructure, maybe to create also an operating system for, I don't know, uh, AI image, whatever, processing improvement or stuff like that, or maybe also physical infrastructure? There are two things. The first thing is like we are basically creating a software, but that is end-to-end -to -end tool for the marketplaces, which means that it will also store the images. For me, that's purely infrastructure because it will help us, you know, have the power on images. Definitely, this is part of our roadmap. Let's say the algorithm part, for me, the transformation, moderation, editing part, that is the first part. But the next step is, you know, going into asset management. Asset management meaning like image management, visual content management. Uh, so this is definitely the road we, we, we go towards. It's not going to be probably this year, but in the coming years, for sure. Yeah, so it's very interesting points. So one is with the storage or management of the images and stuff like totally. that. So it's like AWS of Amazon. Uh, they also had a kind of a cloud business. So it's a bit of that. But the other point you also mentioned is to enable other 
marketplaces. So it's like not running your your own marketplace, but also enabling other ones. So it's like uh, yeah, being at the core. I mean, exactly being being the center of you know inflow and outflows of data, but of visual data. That is probably going to be based on AWS or GCP, and we're not going to create AWS uh, Beast tomorrow. But basically, like a sub layer of an infrastructure that is, you know, storing the data in in our cloud, in our infrastructure, and then bringing value from the inflow to the outflow on the website. The question I'm asking myself is: Who are your competitors? Who do you consider you're competing with? As we are doing very different things, we have uh, multiple competitors. We have competitors that are, you know, really verticalized on some algorithms or some type of clients, like in uh, image uh, processing for cars. Then you have competitors more on the workflow part, you know, like assemble uh, algorithms, you know, being able to process images fastly. Then you have competitors on the storage of image. So you basically have competitors all along the way, uh, but no one is tackling the full scope of it. That's a bit how we see it. So uh, our goal is to know the competition at every step and to build product that is uh, first class on every major topic. Improving images, editing images, quality check of images, all this stuff. So we need to find our value prop and focus on a few of them. And it's what we did. The most obvious one for me is uh, Adobe. You're competing with Adobe on the software. Yeah, yeah. except that Adobe is not really a cloud software. It's mostly, you know, on-premise software. So it's a bit different. So we are competing in terms of algorithm with them because they are developing algorithms and we discuss with them frequently. But it's not going to be the same platform, kind of platform, the same way we approach customers. So they are not a direct competitor, let's say. Yeah, it's not, not the same target at all, in fact. Adobe will be more designers, maybe. It seems that you're not targeting the same people altogether, right? No, yeah. Yeah, no not, at all. not at all. Yeah, totally. Another great aspect of great companies is sustainability. So as we call our podcast platforms for future, we also say each successful business in the future needs to have also a positive impact to the ecosystem, like the people, like the planet. How do you approach sustainability, a positive impact to the product ecosystem at Miro? I think we cannot, you know, avoid the fact that uh, the storage and competition of image and, and more general visual content is a heavy part in the, in the carbon impact of the internet. So this is definitely something we uh, have in mind when we tackle the topic. And the way we think about how we build our infrastructure and build our algorithm is basically designed in order to optimize this. So this is the very early uh, steps of it. But in the, in the design of what we want to build and what we are building into the software, we are thinking about how we can minimize the number of images that are replicated, minimize the number of images that are stored. Many, you know, algorithms can be used to optimize the weight of images online and thus their carbon impact. This is really what we have in mind when optimizing the flow of visual contents online. Have you started to calculate that? So especially when you say... Poor, it's quite complex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but hey, you have AI. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 no, no, no. So, so it's quite complex. So we started uh, the numbers. It's not easy, you know. Uh, when you go there and then you need to dig into something, uh, then you dig into a provider, you have multiple effects. Uh, so it's not that easy, but yeah, we have a plan to, uh, to put it as a KPI in the, in the coming years as a real like objective. Right now, it's mostly by design, let's say. Yeah, the easiest, I think, is maybe if you reduce the file size of images or whatever, then you can say for you as a company, we helped you to save X 
terabyte or whatever, and this yeah. could be translated into, yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's really not easy because you have like multiple, you know, impacts of everything you do, the computation. And today, I mean, the way everyone computes are not uh, mature enough, you know, to have all this data. We always also love to talk about trust. So trust is also very important when you have a marketplace, especially now you transform into an AI-driven company and uh, you also need to trust the AI, but also the people behind. And how do you tackle trust at Miro and build up a trustful business? Yeah, so I think the trust has been built through the years. At the beginning, the first clients, they have no data on us, so they need to trust it at the very beginning. And so that's why you usually start with, you know, close people you know, and then you extend to your city, your neighborhood and everything. Now, on the marketplace side of the business, I think the trust is proven by the number of happy customers. And that's why we always give references or checks on everything. And we obviously also have uh, the trust of our photographers. The trust of our photographers is based on the number of years we work with them, the fact that we always pay them on time, whatever, and, and we deliver a service that is a qualitative service. So I think the trust for me is shown by the volume and the NPS of the clients and photographers uh, that you need to measure constantly. Otherwise, you, you can see your business. Uh, you cannot understand your business anymore at some point. And I guess it will become more of a stake maybe when you go into storage of pictures. Of images, yeah, yeah, of course. Series A, 15 million. Series B, 45. Series C, 230. How do you manage hyper growth? What was the most difficult thing about those three years in this hyper growth? Most difficulty was that uh, it was scaling the marketplace business. So we need more and more and more people. So it was kind of, you know, difficult to be as keen on uh, hiring the right people, the best people for your company when you hire 50 people a week. And so you have people that are not good enough, not in the right mindset. So that's for me, the most difficult part was scaling the people and scaling the excellence and the mindset. What type of profiles? Was it tech profiles you were scaling or all types? All types, so like tech, sales, operations, like all the profiles you need. When you scale the, the marketplace, you need more sales to get more clients. You need more operations, more tech because you have more <laughs> features to develop. So yeah, it was mostly scaling up the full team. And now your plans are also to, from a geography perspective, to go worldwide or what are your plans? We don't, you know, we don't put limits right now. So we know that we focus more on, you know, France, Germany, UK, Spain, Italy, uh, you know what I mean? And then US, Canada, and South America a bit. And then Asia as a second step, probably. But depends on the opportunity. I mean, if we want to sell a software in, in Asia, if there's no you know, tech problem, I mean, there's no way we can sign it. Yeah, maybe the language. Image has no language. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. There might be some features that are more important to, I don't know, maybe in Asia you want blue skies. Yeah, 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 no, definitely a bit of differences, but not that much. Our marketplace uh, was operating in uh, all around the globe in 100 countries. Uh, so we know the specificities of every market and it's not a big limitation. It was a pleasure to hear from you about the journey that you went through, especially with the hyper growth and... I really, really like the point that you closed the marketplace, but now you're focusing on AI, but you maybe use the marketplace to train the AI, to gather a lot of data insights in markets. So a marketplace is not just kind of the end game. It's also an enabler of another step. So it's really, really cool to learn about that. 
and that you are also now ready to enable other marketplaces with your AI. So it's really a cool, cool strategy to hear in a retro perspective. And um, maybe you could also share as a last point in our podcast, what was maybe the best learning you would like to share with our listeners as a kind of an advice? I would like to get back to the start fast and fail fast and stop fast, something like that. You know, you have to be creative and foster innovation in your company. But then when you take the decision that you need to stop, whether it is a project or whether it is someone you need to fire or whatever, you need to do it fast. So for me, that's one of the key learnings. It's really like, you know, like uh, act really fast in terms of decisions. This is probably the, the most important. And second is, you know, I mean, like everything will be based on people. If you have the right people, you can pivot, you can change, you can do whatever. If you have the right mindset, as much mindset as a skill set, it's uh, as important. That's why usually uh, VCs invest on in Series A on teams, not on the project. Nearly. They invest on the team because if the project doesn't work or if the market shrinks or whatever, then they know the team can, you know, adapt. That's why I guess also it's uh, back to your comment on hiring 50 people a, a week or a month. I can't remember, but, uh, you know, ensuring those 50 people have the right mindset is quite complicated, I suppose. It's really complex. <laughs> <laughs> I can also recommend you um, a book. Uh, maybe you know about that. It's called The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. It's some years old, but still true. So you always have to take the decisions. So it's better to make the decisions fast instead of waiting and waiting and waiting, but you have to make the decisions. It's better to make a fast decision for everybody involved in the decision. So yeah, quite good learning. Thanks again, Gia Tong, uh, talking about very... photography. Uh, <laughs> try to learn both words throughout the last 45 minutes. And yeah, thank you for, your, for sharing your insights. Thank you, Matthias. Thank you. Thank you, Natalie. It was a pleasure being there with you and uh, happy you. to help. Thank you. And, and uh, Gaetan, to share. maybe uh, you can uh, come back uh, into our podcast in a year or so <laughs> to see how, uh, you know, things evolve. And uh, maybe in a year you'll tell us, oh, we've trained everything again. I might. I hope not because uh, <laughs> sometimes it's good, you know, to stay focused on something, but uh, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> Thank you.